Hey everybody, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Austin's Audit Podcast. I am your host, Austin Gerke. So what are we going to do for today's show? It is simple. Headline Wednesday. Uh, for my baseball fans, we are now... Where are we? Today is the 22nd. We are eight days away from the start of the season. And already, baseball sent out a memo and some modifications on the pitch clock. The clock itself didn't necessarily change, but there are going to be some rules around it. I'm going to break those down for you, baseball fans. Plus, I'll give you the other preview for the Sweet 16 matchups. Today is the South and Midwest region. And then... I'll give you the picks for today. So that's the topic for today's show. But first, let's do a little bit of trolling here on the show because I'm known to do that every once in a while. Uh, Team USA did not win last night. Japan did. But that's not why I'm covering it on the show today. That's not why it's the first topic. It's the first topic because of how it ended. Shohei Otani striking out his own teammate, Mike Trout. Um... Angel fans, you know, for those that are watching this show or listening to it on the audio platforms that aren't living in, you know, because I do this show from Southern California, okay? I got to throw this in every once in a while. So for those listening or watching out of state, um, just hold on for the second. You'll get the joke. Or baseball fans in general, you already get the joke. But Shohei Otani struck out Mike Trout to end the game. Man, if you're an Angel fan, how brutal does that really have to be? I mean, I I saw the clip of it, and that pitch was on the outside, and you know, you want that you want that side you want that just off the plate on the outside type pitch, and Otani got that pitch. But Man, that has got to be the most unironic win. Actually, that's got to be one of the most irony-rich wins in sports history. Because Shohei Otani, who, by the way, probably will not be an angel come July. He probably won't. At least late July. That's my opinion. But, man, that would be incredibly hilarious Because now Shohei can just go into the clubhouse every day and say, You know, Mike, I struck you out. I struck you out to end the WBC and gave Japan the title, I think, what? Since the first time since, what, 2006? You know, Japan won that title back in 06, so they win it again this time. And it came down to Shohei and Mike Trout. That is funny to me. And Angel fans, you probably were twisting yourselves in knots trying to figure out who to root for. But, you know, that's for eight days. Again, baseball fans, um, the other headline today is the modifications of the pitch clock and the rules around those. I'll read you guys those to wrap up the show. And also, before I get into the rest of the topics for today, uh, viewer guide for opening day. Again, I'm going to record that next Tuesday. Get that released to you guys in time for opening day. Now, the matchups I will choose for opening day probably will not have any of the opening day starters for a lot of them. You know, of course, being a Yankee fan, I'm going to throw the Yankees in there. 
but the other five or six matchups I'll have in the opening day viewer guide might not have an opening day starter set yet, or the matchup might not even happen until Friday, given how insane the weather will work in some of these East Coast or Midwest cities in late March into early April. So that's what's up for baseball fans. That's what I thought of last night's ironic at-bat and showdown between Trout and Otani. But for people going, man, baseball hit a home run because of the World Baseball Classic. Get real. Last night was the only time I truly ever watched that tournament as a whole. And the only reason I have it on the show today is because of that last at-bat. Not because of the whole tournament in general. So for all of you on social media and all these little fake news or algorithmic posts saying uh, major the WBC was a huge success. Here's an idea. Don't have the tournament in the middle of spring training. How about that? And maybe you'll get more people to at least want to watch the WBC instead of, oh, I don't know. Watching March Madness or the Masters, which will be up here in two weeks. How about that? That's for starters. All right, let's get to the rest of the show. Let's go ahead and give you guys the game picks just for today, just in case you have any action on some of these games. Let's jump in to... Let's go NBA first. Why not? Yeah, let's go the NBA first. We already have one game underway right now. Nuggets, Wizards. The Nuggets are up 18-14. I'm going to take the Nuggets over the Wizards to hold on there. Knicks, Heat tonight. Yeah, I'm taking the Knicks over the Heat. I'm taking the Pacers over the Raptors. Warriors over the Mavs. Although, actually, no. The Warriors, I think they're still on an 11-game losing streak on the road. So I'll take the Mavs at home. Although that is your spotlight game. I'll give you the score in a sec. Sixers over the Bulls, Grizzlies over the Rockets, Bucks over the Spurs, the T-Wolves over the Hawks, and the Jazz over the Trailblazers. Again, your spotlight game tonight. Maybe the Warriors will snap out of this little road game losing streak that they have, but I'm going to go with the Mavs to, to win this game. Expect this game to be in the mid-hundreds. Let's say 115, 108. Let's see how much Dallas is favored by... Uh, oh no, Golden State's actually the road favorite here. So I'm going to take the home underdog, Dallas, 115-110. So I'm going to take the three points. And you probably should get some money out of that. So Mavericks over the Golden State Warriors tonight as your spotlight game in the NBA. In the NHL, let's get you guys out of the way. Only two games tonight. The Penguins and the Avalanche, of course, your only spotlight game. The others, Coyotes and Oilers. I'm taking the Oilers there. Spotlight game. Since there are only two, go with the Avs at home over Pittsburgh. 4-3 to three in overtime. No shootout needed. 4-3 at home for the Avs against the Penguins. 4-3 to three Avalanche over the Penguins is your spotlight game. With that, let's go ahead. I'm going to get the story for the modifications and the explanations for those out here in a second for the pitch clock modifications. 
I'll break those down for you guys at the end of the show, but I'm trying to get it set up before I do the uh, Sweet 16 preview. All right. Anyway, let's get this set up. Today is part two of the Sweet 16 preview. So we're going to go ahead. I'm going to start with the Today is the South and Midwest region. I'm going to save the South for last because honestly, that region, although it is completely destroyed with, you know, Alabama being the only high seed left. They're the number one seed there. Houston's the other number one seed. There's only two number one seeds left in this tournament. And they're both going to be playing on Friday. But I'm going to save the South for last because that's going to have the bass, bass, the best matchup for that day. So we're going to go ahead into the Midwest Regional. We're going to go with Houston and Miami. Simple for Houston. If you just get off to a better start than they did against Auburn, you'll win this game. Remember, they were down 10 at half. They picked it up late. And Houston, despite their banged-up injuries, ended up pulling off what they should have blown Auburn out for. But Houston over Miami, this will be too easy for the Cougars. You won't even need me to to wait until Friday to give you that pick. Houston, Miami, no question about it. The other matchup in the Midwest, let me open it up real quick. I should have had that part ready, but let's go ahead, give you the matchup, the other matchup in the Midwest on Friday. Oh, no, I know the other one. Texas and Xavier. This is probably going to be the easy, well, not the easiest. The easiest matchup for Friday will be Houston and Miami. I don't think there's going to be an upset there. But Texas and Xavier, Texas kept playing with their food. They still a little iffy with Jabari Rice and the Texas guards. But I'm going to go with the Longhorns on that one as well. So I got the Longhorns holding on right now. I'm not going to confirm it until Friday's episode, which by the way, I'm probably going to shoot really early because I'm going, you know, probably at about 10 or 11, depends on when I get out of bed, but the answer for this right now, if I had to take, I will go with the Longhorns to move on to the Elite Eight for the first time since Kevin Durant was there, I believe, that Texas got that far in the tournament. But I'll go with Texas over Xavier right now. I got Houston over Miami right now. If Miami can win, they got to out-rebound. They got to make Houston do turn the ball over a bunch like they did against Indiana. Indiana couldn't shoot from three. Miami's going to have to do a little bit of that to have a chance. But right now, I would take Houston and Texas. Yes, I know. Houston, Texas. Ha, ha, ha. Houston versus Texas. Houston with an opportunity to go play at home in the Final Four and be the first school to do that. That would be really interesting and really cool in its own right. But Houston over Texas in the Midwest region. In the South, the busted up bracket, the other busted up bracket, you have the south and the east, the left side of the bracket is all messed up. And you, if you needed a refresher on who I 
think might win in the East or a small little preview, go into yesterday's show. Uh, for you Bruin fans, you might not like what I have right now, but, you know, the Bruins can prove me wrong. But, let's get to the South. Of course, the bottom half of the South, ugh, just ugly. Creighton and Princeton. Princeton has been shooting lights out from the three. I do think they're going to have to do that again in order to beat Creighton. And Creighton has the size to at least beat up Princeton a little bit. So if I had to go right now, I would choose Creighton to move on. And then probably the best matchup of Friday. It'll be the best matchup of the Sweet 16. If not for Gonzaga and UCLA, this would have been the primetime matchup for the entire round. And I'll tell you why, and then I'll go into the modifications for the pitch clock with that, with, <coughs> with how much time I have left. Depending on how much time I have left, I'll go into the modifications for the pitch clock. But with this, and I will say this to you now, there are plenty of you who still have Alabama as your champion in your bracket challengers. There are plenty of you who would have them in their final. You, There are plenty of you who still have it in your final four. But this is where the right ends for Alabama. Do you know why? Because San Diego State, as much as I didn't go to school there, as much as I root for them, and I didn't root for them to get to the Sweet 16, this is the exact team Alabama does not and cannot, I mean, San Diego State will match up with Alabama very, very well. The only weakness I see with the Aztecs is they don't shoot the three well, and they have a really hard time shooting from inside the arc, too. And that's not even including free throw shooting. So, the only downside for the Aztecs is do they have the offense to keep up with Alabama? San Diego State's defense will do just enough. Expect this game to probably be in the low 70s. Probably 73 to 68 right there. If I had to, I'd go San Diego State right now because San Diego State is the exact team that could beat Alabama right now. If that doesn't happen, then Houston is the other team. Because as much as I like UCLA, they're going to have a hard time without Singleton. Even if he plays, and he plays at eh, maybe 70%, UCLA is going to have a hard time against Gonzaga. But as I said yesterday, if they just control Drew Timmy, UCLA will win that game. Because I don't see everything else around Drew Timmy for Gonzaga to get past the Sweet 16. But again, if San Diego State does not beat Alabama, then Alabama will probably make it to the national title game. Because I don't see them losing to Creighton. I don't see them losing to Princeton. Forget what happens in the East, whether it's, Michi whether it's Michigan State or Tennessee or FAU. None of that will beat Alabama until the national title game. If San Diego State does not win, but this is the target matchup. Even though I didn't pick it in the bracket, this might be the matchup where Alabama might stumble. 
for all of you that still have Alabama as your champion in any of the bracket challenge games on any of these platforms. All right. So with the time I have left, I only have 11 minutes. Let me go through these pitch clock modifications for the baseball season heading in to today or heading into the season. Let me run through these really quick. Uh, the other issues addressed in the memo include the malfun if the pitch clock malfunctions that allow the pitcher and catcher to communicate electronically, player must immediately inform the umpires who can grant time and stop the ticking clock. New standards will be enforced for bat boys and bat girls whose ability to quickly retrieve equipment will help efforts to speed up the game. According to the memo, the league will evaluate the performances of bat boys and bat girls and could ask teams to replace them if their performance is considered substandard. So my only advice for all of you who, little kids who are doing bat, who are being bat boys or bat girls, you guys better, you guys better use your little legs and run quick because you might get fired. Uh, on brushback pitches, this is the big one. This is the one that I'm pretty sure we're all going to start seeing in the middle of the season. But this is the one change to it that's actually more common. And it's going to start to happen here soon. On brushback pitches and big swings, which either knock equipment out of place or hand a but or land a player splashed out on the ground or splayed out on the ground, umpires will delay the start of the clock. And if the clock operator starts it early, have the ability to wave off the timer. In other words, if you get those sweet chin music pitches, and we all know what they are, the bean balls, where, yeah, you looked at a pitch, and then the next guy who's up to plate, the pitcher throws a ball at that hitter, and the hitter has to duck into the dirt, or duck onto the ground, then the timer basically gets nullified for that at bat. At least how that's how I read that. And then here's the other one. In situations where pitchers find themselves away from the mound, whether to cover first base or backup throws to home or third base in foul territory, the 30-second between batter clock will be delayed. It restarts when the pitcher making a play at first is back on the infield grass and on backing plays up is in fair territory. And then one final one that you might not, it might not really come up too much, but this is something to look out forward to. Leniency for catchers who end an inning on base or at bat, umpires can turn off the two minute and 30 second between inning clock at the 30 second mark if the catcher has made a reasonable effort to abide by the timer. If it reaches the point a catcher will if it reaches that point a catcher will be allowed to receive one warm-up pitch from the pitcher and make the throw down to second base to ensure he too has warmed up his arm. Placing the onus on the hitters to restart the clock. If they take a timeout, hitters may call time once in an at bat. And previously, the clock was starting from 15 to 20. When players st 
stepped into the batter's box and were alert, leading to pitchers potentially holding the ball for long periods of time. Under the new guidelines, a player, regardless of where he is standing, must indicate to an umpire that he's ready to resume play, at which point the umpire will tell the operator to wind the clock. All those, you know, the only reason I'm putting it in the show today is to say, hey, just watch for these. So that way, you at least have an idea of what the pitch clock will honestly do and how it'll affect the game. But that's your main headline for today. The other is Armando Baycott, but returning to North Carolina. But North Carolina didn't even make the main tournament. So I don't expect North Carolina to do much next year. But that's next year. Until then, thank you for listening and watching the Austin's Audit Podcast. I have been your host, Austin Gerke. Don't forget, you can listen to this show. Let's see where I'm at. Okay, 20 minutes. Thank you for listening and watching the Austin's Audit Podcast. I've been your host, Austin Gerke. Don't forget, you can listen to this show on Podbean. Just search for the Austin's Audit Podcast. You can also listen to this show on Spotify, Google, Apple, if you know the trick, Dreaser, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Pandora, and SoundCloud as well, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also watch this show on Rumble.com if you're on a desktop computer, or you can download the Rumble app in the Google Play or Apple App Stores. Once you do that, search for the username ADGERKE, that's A-D-G-S in girl, E-H-R-K-E, again, that's A-D-G-E-H-R-K-E on Rumble. Please make sure that search is set to channels, not videos, click subscribe, and you'll have every single episode of this lovely show Please also like, comment, and share so we can sneak up the algorithms. And speaking of algorithms, you can follow the show's Facebook page, which is The Austin's Haunted Podcast. You can follow the show's Instagram hashtag, which is hashtag The Austin's Haunted Podcast. You can follow me personally on Instagram at AustiSpamonti. That's A-U-S-T-I-S-P-A-M-A-N-T-I. Or, 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 if you want post-episode interaction... You can follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Gerke. Again, that's at Austin underscore Gerke on Twitter for post-episode interaction. With that, I am out. I will see you guys Friday. Thank you for listening and watching the Austin's Audit Podcast. I've been your host, Austin Gerke. Peace out, and I'll see you Friday.